You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, and welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, where COPE is free. COPE is free. See, this is free. Um, chill. And what else? Um, cry. Cry is free, too. As we are once again tasked with examining the remains of a Detroit Lions football game and trying to figure out what the hell happened. And hopefully this won't entirely be about Jared Goff this time around, but we will see considering where the attitude is after this one. That's right. We are coming to after lions and Bengals, and it's not a pretty one. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, the pride of Detroit POD cast uh, spun out and whacked out from this one. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but we're going to find out in about two seconds. Uh, Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit Online, live from the scene of the crime. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Christopher. Um, man, that was uh, that was the worst game of the season. I think we can we can chalk that one up right away. Not uh, there not was a fun no, day today. They, they at least they at least ripped our heart out very early on. At least it didn't wait until the last second. Yeah, I guess I guess um, one when, when you don't have many things thankful to be thankful when you're a Lions fan. Um, uh, getting it done early. Yeah. Is getting helpful. it out of the way in, in basically the third quarter. I'd say even sooner than that. I think this game was done at the half, but we'll, we're, we're, we're picking it apart now. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, third man of the show, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing? The least fun I've had with the football game this year. That's Ooh. for sure. Uh, not a very bold take, but um, yeah. Hey, here's your time to remind yourself. It's a rebuild. It is a rebuild. It is a rebuild. And this is therapy. This is therapy for us, for you, for your loved ones, for anyone who has dared to try to become a Lions fan at any point in time. And I do mean across all time. So on this little episode, we are tasked with dissecting what the hell happened when the Lions met the Bengals and somehow came out at the end, 34-11. For those keeping track at home, 11 is the Lions side of things. And by the way, that 11 is like the most deceptive 11 of all time, coming in the fourth quarter, starting off with the saddest of field goals I have ever seen and I am currently writing about. And a touchdown from uh, DeAndre Swift after a run by Jared Goff, which uh, 
that even Dan Campbell admitted was kind of stat padding at the end where the offense is moving only because of prevent and cover two. Mine's got shut out in this game. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they, they got shut out. Blown the fuck out. Yeah. They yeah, got they shut, got, they like shut by out. All, I, virtually 34, nothing in my mind. Yeah. I don't care yeah. anything about those 11 points. It didn't mean anything to me. Um, this offense is a goddamn mess. There's no yeah. other way to put it. It's a mess. Nothing is working. And, and listen, like I even mentioned on the Madden Sim yesterday, if this team, this is a tough matchup for this offense because the only thing that we've seen successful out of this offense all season is a run game. And what is the one thing that the Bengals defense does pretty well? Stop the run. And so we found out today what, what this offense looks like when there's not even a run game. And the answer is absolutely nothing. There's nothing that's going on. Well, the offensive line isn't blocking. Well, the wide receivers aren't going to where they need to be. TJ Hawkinson's not getting the yak that he needs to. And Jared Goff is a bum. I'm sorry. I don't even like using that word, but he sucked, 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 sucked. And listen, like, I, I want, I'm going, I'm going to say some positive things about this game later. I promise I will, but the offense is regressing and coaching I think is all around is still pretty good. We're seeing young players get better, but it's not getting better on offense. And, and why do you think that is Jared Goff, Jared Goff? I'm sorry. Jared leaping like, Goff. He's a sea anchor. I, I He's a know sea anchor. He's dragging everything down with him. I know. I know. The personnel is horrible. I know the injuries are killing everybody. I know they're missing some leaders on this team in, in Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow. But listen, like they're open receivers now. Like they're, these are, these aren't great receivers, but we all saw the replays of, of open guys. And we saw the like TJ Hawkinson and Jared it's been Goff like have this been all locked, year though. Jared Goff and, and TJ Hawkinson have been locked at the hip for, for six straight months. And you're telling me that was, that was a, that, that, that wheel, again, a great play call. Like the play was there. The play was there. The line set these players up to, to succeed and someone messed up. And listen, the, am I willing to believe TJ Hawkinson maybe ran the wrong route there or ran his route a little too wide or whatever? Sure. But when, but when these things keep happening over and over again, and Jared Goff is the common denominator, he's a common denominator the end like this offense runs through him and it it, they need to put it on his shoulders in games like this and he's just complete like you you put a thimble on that guy's shoulder and he collapses i uh i don't know if it's gonna it's not going to go down in history as one of the most baffling decisions by a quarterback just because it wasn't flashy it wasn't the butt fumble it wasn't dan orlovsky running out of the end zone but golf deciding to throw the ball away on fourth and four with deandre swift wide open and we later find out that the reason why deandre swift I mean, excuse me, Jared Goff throws the ball away is that he thought the holding call was going to be accepted. Somehow he like his entire brain shut down and forgot that teams can decline penalties and thus turn it over on downs is emblematic of every last is is emblematic of all the decision making that Jared Goff is getting up to right now. And Dan Campbell came, I thought in the press conference afterwards, I I, want to talk about that a little later because I got let Ryan in, but that press conference afterwards, Dan Campbell was tried like hell to be diplomatic about Jared Goff. And I think he succeeded mostly all right, but 
I, I don't think he needs to say much because it's there for everyone to see. It's there for everyone to see that Jared Goff is making horrible, horrible, horrible decisions. And yeah, like the personnel isn't great. There's injuries, but if your quarterback isn't, isn't making smart decisions to lead the offense, none of that matters. It doesn't matter who you have. He can't execute. He can't make plays. I I don't think there's anything more emblematic of Jared Goff than that series. Third and four, he misses TJ Hawkinson. He missed him. That's what it was. He missed him. Fourth and four, throws the ball away because he sees a flag and thinks that it's going to be holding. Who cares what that flag does? Go make a play. Throw the ball down the field. Try to force a defensive pass interference so the penalty's offset and you get another chance to, to live on another down. Yep. It was one of the worst plays I've ever like. I to to be honest, I think it's worse than Dan Orlovsky running out of the back of the end zone. <laughs> yeah, it's just not as flashier as like you know. It's not going to make oops highlight reels because it's kind of on. No, because he doesn't yeah. because he doesn't have Jared Allen running after him, hooting and hollering and pointing at him. Like that's why it became right. what it was. And also, Dan Orlovsky's a boob. So I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just what it is. But like. The, the problems with Jared Goff let us know who he was in L.A. He was a guy who was propped up by one of, for his time, like Todd Gurley's prime was one of the most sensational acts we've ever seen from a running back. Like when was the last time a running back was was in the MVP conversation and probably should have won it? Like Their, their talking- stars were tied together. Their stars were tied together along with that L.A. offensive line. So what Jeremy is alluding to is when this offense doesn't have a run game that can consistently pose a threat, Jared Goff is called upon to execute and make throws. He can't. He can't make throws. He is not the guy who needs to lead a football team unless you are a football team in the midst of a rebuild. And that's where the Detroit Lions are. So maybe the best thing that the Detroit Lions have going for them right now is Jared Goff. I don't want to talk about Jared Goff forever, but there is one thing that I want it's to where talk we about. have to start. It's where we have yeah. to start. Yeah. And there, and this might be the, the only thing I have left to say about him. Unless we, we want to already start talking about what the future is with him, which I mean, Jesus, there's still 11, 11 oh, games God. left in this season. Um, his body language is trash. Um, A little you guys, you guys please. don't, you guys don't necessarily get to see this at home, but when he's not on the field, he is on the bench. He is by himself. Occasionally he'll have an iPad or Apple surface or whatever, Microsoft surface, whatever it is. Um, and he's by himself. Like the one engaging with the quarterback's coach is David Blau. The one getting up and stretching and talking to teammates is David Blau. Jared Goff to me looks just as bad on the sidelines as he does on the field. He does not look like a leader. He does not look like a guy that, that is ready for, for the task that's ahead of him and the task that he should have known was, was his to begin with. Like he knew he had to, you know, reclaim his name. He knew he had a a big task ahead of him in Detroit. And I don't like everyone that wanted to interact with Jared Goff had to approach him. TJ Hawkinson sat next to him and talked to him for a good five minutes. Jared Goff is just, I I don't know. Like it's not that he's checked out. It's just like, he's, he's a sad sack right now. He is Charlie Brown just trying to kick the football. And when, when he misses, he just, he just lays there on the ground and says, woe is me. Like 
that's the kind of body language that he's giving off right now. And listen, I'm not usually this kind of guy. I'm usually more the analytics guy. I'm, I'm like, what you do on the field is more important than what you do on the sideline. But when it's not working on the field and I look at you on the sideline and you don't appear to be motivated to, to dig yourself out of this hole, you're not a leader. You're not a good football player. I don't want you as my quarterback. Simple as that. Yeah, uh, we, 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 we learned this too on like, you know, before the season started when he commented about, you know, expect expectations and everything else and how he was perceived. And, you know, he, he, he owned it then and he's got to own it now. Um, you mentioned David Blau, and this is probably where the conversation is going to go on Monday for most of Detroit sports media. And it's where it's already kind of going right now. And I've had plenty of names thrown to me on quarterbacks that people want to see golf succeeded by even this year. Forget it. It's not going to Yes. No, I'm, I'm of your mind. Like, it sucks. And I don't even think Jared Goff right now is a top 32 quarterback in the NFL right now. But once you put rip the bandaid off and put Blau in, there's no real going back to it. Um, and I don't think trading from there's no reason on God's green earth to trade for Minshew or for Flacco, just so you can win a couple games to give away draft capital. And I know that Cam Newton is now vaccinated, but I don't know what good it's going to be to go out and sign him on a free agency deal for just, just to assuage your egos. And again, try to win a game and lose up more of your salary cap. It's a bad situation, but I don't know what the fix is other than sweating it out for 12 more weeks. There's just no good fix. Well, I I think it comes back to Jeremy's point. I I think that, you know, Dan Campbell talking about how collectively they're going to look at the offense as a whole, right. And they're going to make a bunch of decisions when it comes to the offense as a whole. I think that Jared Goff is one of those decisions that I don't know if it'll be made in, in a week's time. I don't know if it'll be made in two weeks time. I don't know if it'll be made before Thanksgiving, but at some point, the Detroit Lions have to say, this guy isn't who we want to be the guy at quarterback. And the quarterback position is such an important position because I, J- Jeremy's not talking about Julian Aquara's body language on the sideline. He's not talking about Aleem McNeil's body language on the sideline or, you know, Matt Nelson's body language. He's talking about the quarterback. Okay, this is the guy who's supposed to rally the troops, the guy who's supposed to be in constant communication and contact. And you know what? If you're if you're at one yard of offense through a quarter, you're you're probably you're probably trying to do something to fix that as the quarterback. And if there is no if there's no sense of urgency then what are you doing to make this football team better? And I I I agree with you, Chris. Once you rip this Band-Aid off and once you make a change from Goff to Blau, unless Blau is injured, Blau is your quarterback. Because I don't think that there's any way that Jared Goff can redeem himself to this coaching staff. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think that there's any going back. Once, once that genie comes out of the bottle, you're, you're not putting him back in. So um, I, don't know, I don't know when the right time is. I know the, I know, but here's the thing. I trust the coaching staff to know when the right time is. I mean, listen, if this is going to happen, I think, and, and we also, also, you know, just maybe take a step back and, and take a deep breath and, and all this, like 
it feels like we've been swinging. Like this team is zero and six, but it feels like we swing. You know, one one extreme to the other every week. Like last week, it was like, wow, they almost beat Minnesota. Maybe this this defense, you know, the defense is getting better. We're we're seeing progression every week, and then like the Bears game happens and everything's horrible, and and then you know the Ravens game happens and now this game happens and now everything's horrible again. So, you know, maybe they give the Rams a good shot next week. I don't think they're going to win, but after that it's the Eagles, and then after that's the bye week. So, if things continue and at its current trajectory with with the offense specifically, because I do think there are good things that are happening on defense. They lose bad to the Rams. They lose bad to the Eagles. Well, then you're at the bye week. You're 0-8. You just lost to a real bad Eagles team. Really maybe, bad Eagles team. Maybe that's the time. Maybe that's the time. Yeah. And and also, like, everyone's talking David Blau. I think we all forget that this team probably likes Tim Boyle better. And probably by the week, the the bye week, probably going to be back on the sidelines again. So if if there's a guy that they might turn to, I think it's probably Tim Boyle. And you're going to have to wait at least a, a few more weeks for that. I, 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 at least I'll say this for at least myself, I think this trajectory, I didn't think the Vikings was an upward trajectory for the offense. So I feel like this has been That's three right. weeks of steady, almost interminable decline where the offense is turning on later and later and later. And again, I go back to Dan Campbell's comment that even he's admitting that the only yardage we're getting right, that the lions are getting right now is when defenses fall back to cover two and prevent. And that's has been at the heart of all these fourth quarter charges that people laud have lauded the offense for. But I also agree with Dan Campbell in that it's not, I mean, a lot of it's Jared Goff. He didn't want to put it all on Jared Goff, but there's, there's also like, again, I don't think any quarterback stepping in there is stepping into a great situation. I think, I think the, the only question in your mind is, can they make better decisions than Jared Goff has? But it's still bad. It's still a lack of talent at receiver. It's still a banged off offensive line. It's still a run game that cannot get traction on the ground. So I don't know if replacing him does much other than just it, it, us watching the anger of fans, which might be all you really need right now because fans are really pissed off after this game. And I know it's not the 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 responsibility of the coach and the general manager to, you know, play nice by the fans. But at the same time, like it's the, the responses I saw after this game are getting nasty and it's not just at Jared Goff. It's at everyone. I don't think that's fair, especially what with such a long haul for this team. Um, I'm with you though, Jeremy, I think bye week is probably where you look to that kind of change. I'll be interested to see if they go towards Blau or Boyle. Um, but man, it's just, it's tough, man. It's tough. The The but, last thing, the last thing that I want to say about the quarterback thing. Um, and, 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 and this is, this is the point that I'm, I'm at with Jared Goff is that, you know, to, to Jeremy's point, like if you're disinterested in, if you're disinterested in showing up and competing at the highest level and we have, you know, offensive coordinators talking about like dialing back the, the verbiage and making things and making things even more simple for you. And you're still looking at your wristband and it's not even a, it's not even a point of maybe not being prepared, but like the, the execution thing is so big to me, but like, if you're just, if you're disinterested in being the, the team's quarterback, then let somebody else do it then let somebody else do it. Yeah. 
I feel like this is, this is kind of the, the end of it is like, this is, this is, was kind of the moment where every pin dropped. I still had some people that I've talked to on the national side who still would cling to stuff like Jared Goff's QBR. I don't want to hear that anymore. Everything about pad, uh, stat padding, it's true of Jared Goff. He's doing it at the end of the games. And even your coach is admitting it at this point. Your head That's what Dan Campbell did. He basically admitted that, that Jared Goff is doing stat padford at the end of the game. And, and if, that, you're, that's, if you're Sam Padford and you're finishing with 4.8 yards per attempt and a 67.8 <laughs> passer rating, I, do, I, do I need to finish that sentence? I don't think. Yeah, I no, you don't. You don't. It's it's your, your stat padding. A, to be fair, turd. though, his, his interception was not his fault. So, Good no, that that off. wasn't that wasn't all on him. That wasn't all on him. But still, man, this was just. <laughs> I, I think. Let me see. Let me look at his QBR. 13.4 right now. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure where we are. Um, in hell. Yeah. In hell, in hell. I was, I was hoping this would be more of a therapy session. I think we just were in the rage side of it. Well, no, that was, that was us. The first segment was us getting our anger out. Okay. It was a release. Now we're going to build ourselves back up in, in segments two and three. Yeah. Because I do think, as you say, Jeremy, like, as bad as it's getting, I, I watched that Dan Campbell press conference. And once again, maybe I'm being lured over by flowery words, but he did not mince anything about this. He did not. And I think that's important, especially with where this team is. And I think TJ Hawkinson, in spite of being hung on the entire game, did fairly well. But let's take a break. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about where the defense is on this game, which I know they got bullied around by, by the Cincinnati Bengals, but um, they certainly did, didn't do as bad as the offense in this game. And we're going to try to talk about what comes next. And we're going to try to do it all without throwing Jeremy down the uh, rabbit hole of the draft yet. So don't do it. I, which, do which it. honestly, honestly, like not, not to throw it down there, but um, I don't even know if that answers at the top of the draft right now for Jared Goff, which makes us even more grim, but we'll put that aside and we'll be right back on the Pride to Detroit POD cast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
We're back on a very seething Pride of Detroit POD cast. Um, even though we got rid of Jared Goff during the break, I think the seethe came back. We recharged. We recharged the seethe. No cope can overcome this. Uh, where I, I, I really want to highlight Dan Campbell's press conference besides what I've talked about it. Cause I thought it's a fascinating look into the insight of the team. So we can either do that or we can talk about the rest of the offense, Jeremy, um, since you seem to be the one who is taking this, uh, <laughs> taking this to heart right now, where, where do you want to, where do you want to start next? Where uh-huh. we, we have, we have no blueprint for this. Podcast. Okay. Let, let me talk about the rest of the offense. It's yeah, let's talk about, that. okay. Yeah. Let's talk okay. about Dan Campbell now. Okay. So what you think, cause you were, you were there in that room. What did you think of Dan? Like I, yeah. we watched, we watched on the post game stream yeah. on Twitch and I thought he composed himself very well. Um, I think when he was baited to talk about Jared Goff, he resisted it very well because I don't think that's a, that's, a, I don't think that's a conversation you have that you haven't, if it doesn't sound like it, that that's a conversation that's new internally, Yeah, that that's fairly new internally. And you don't have that conversation with the outside until you've had that conversation inside when he, when he rebuked uh, E Eric, Eric uh, Woodyard, the ESPN writer, uh, not, not, not in a nasty way, but just like, you know, I'm not going, he, he's not going to put Jerry Goff out to dry. Right. But then you could see, and he took a long pause during that press conference Cause I think he knew at that point he had to say something to acknowledge Jared Goff yeah. and what happened. And I think he measured his words very well. I think some fans wanted to hear a lot more harsher. I, they wanted to see Dan Campbell hang Jared Goff out to dry, but again, that was probably the most diplomatic you could be without being just completely dismissive of the problem of Jared Goff. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. Like obviously he came in heated. Dan Campbell was as he did as we've ever seen him. He was very upset um, with the teams. He he never said effort. He said what focus. He said the team didn't look focused today, and a lot of mental errors, a lot of penalties. Um, I and 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 yeah, the the golf stuff is interesting for sure because I think you're right. I think he was trying to protect golf as much as possible. I mean, really, since golf has landed the Lions have tried to protect him emotionally as much as possible. Right. Like, and, and understandably so like that dude just got ran out of town in Los Angeles and McVeigh and company did not really ceremoniously say, Hey man, goodbye. Like, thanks for all your work. It was, it was like, they booted that ESPN report torched him. Yeah. That ESPN report torched him about like how bad it was. And so, yeah, I think Campbell did a really good job of like kind of threading the needle there where he's just like, I mean, the, the exact, he took a long time to like, you could see, and he does this a lot, but um, maybe no, none as long as this one, where it was literally like a 10 second break where he goes, I'll tell you this. Yeah. He's, he's measuring like he needs, his words. I feel he's like he needs to step up and more than he has. Like, and, and like, that's, you know, maybe, maybe Lions fans want to hear him stomp on golf while he's down, but I don't see what that accomplishes in any sort of way. Maybe they want to see him move on from Jared Goff right away, but again, like, do you, do you guys remember David Blau? Like, I don't, <laughs> I know, I know everyone's like, well, at least we'll throw it downfield. Well, if you're throwing interceptions, that's not really necessarily <laughs> great, um, necessarily better at all. So I, I think in terms of when he talked about golf, I understood it. I got it. I think he did what he needed to do there in terms of just the fire, fire, fireiness in general. Um, interesting, not, not surprising in any sort of way. Um, but 
here's my concern is like, okay, now the lines are 0 six. They're the only winless team. And Dan Campbell has now shown the range of emotions in the past two weeks that they're going to catch headlines, national headlines. Last week it was crying this week. It was, it, it's, it's being angry. So like, and I know none of this really matters, but it's annoying, but I feel like this is the week that like the national media is going to start turning where it's just like, is Dan Campbell the right guy for this job? He's too emotional. He's, he's, he's lost control of the team. And if, if he's this emotional, just imagine how emotional the team is and, and, and things like that. And, and of course I roll my eyes at all that. Like, yeah, players are going to get mad when they lose. Players are going to be emotional when they lose. Like that's, that's called being human. And I appreciate Dan Campbell showing the human side of that and being frustrated. And, and listen, like, like, uh, like Ryan said, I guess this was probably during the break. I don't remember if it was during the break or whatever. It's like, um, what we didn't want to see, what we we were sick of seeing is like, you know, we're, we worked hard this week in practice. Um, we're just, we're just going to put our nose down and, and, and grind harder. He was like, no, this, what today, what happened today? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. And it, and it's on me. Sure. It's on the players maybe, but it's unacceptable and it's not going to happen again. And if it does happen again, it's on me and something needs to change. And that's the thing he kept saying. Like, he's like, I got all these ideas swimming in my head about changing the offense. We got to make some changes. we got to do some changes. It's not, it's not just the same old fed line. And listen, you're, you're not going to win games in a press conference. So ultimately who cares, but it's, it's different. It's interesting. The the press conferences are kind of fun. If I'm being completely honest, um, certainly more fun than the game was today. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, Dan Campbell's just kind of always must see TV when he steps in front of a podium. And uh, this week was no different. I don't have much to add on the Dan Campbell front. If I'm being honest, I, I think, I think Jeremy, did a pretty good job of, of summing everything up. I, I think, I think I'm with him though. And th- this will be something that uh, I'll find frustrating is this week. Like I, I do think the national media is going to, the, they're going to smell the blood in the water and it's going to be an opportunity. Cause la- last week wasn't like last week, like that's a guy being emotional. And I, I think, I, I think in the climate that we're in, I think that people will back down from doing that because they know that they'll get backlash. I think this week is a week where it's like, think Eric Bieniemy would be 0-6? You think so-and-so would be 0-6? That's what's going to happen. And again, it comes back to whether or not the Lions, as an organization, can weather the storm. And they don't and they don't cave to that outside pressure and they don't cave to like making wholesale changes or, or sweeping changes or or you know being too reactionary. Like that that's my concern right now is is that the people up at the tippy top, um I, I hope that they, I hope that they're trusting. <laughs> it's stupid. It's Sam Hinkie and it's the Philadelphia 76ers, but I hope that they're trusting the process. Like, well, I, I, I push back a little bit just because my theory is that a lot of this is going to fall on Jared Goff for a lot of this game. And like, yeah, maybe, maybe the frustration mm-hmm. of him towards Goff is going to be seen as a little untoward and it it's going to bring out comparisons that maybe, Campbell's a little in over his head, but at the same time, like there was no hiding how bad golf is. And as I said before, like we have the track record on other places saying that like LA saying, this is who Jared Goff is. And I'm wondering how much is, is from the national side is going to be on Dan Campbell and how much is going to be on Jared Goff. And I'm, I'm wagering a little more on Jared Goff than Dan Campbell, but I mean, I could see it either way. Um, I mean, the, here's here's the real truth behind all this. Like we're talking about what the national media is going to say about the Lions. 
Truth of the matter is they're the not going to talk media. about they're not going to yeah. talk about the Lions. No, no, the, the the Lions, the Lions are the sad sack, and they're just going to chart them for the first for the first overall pick. The the local media, however, you want to talk about resisting the urge to make a head roll. The local media is going to be where a lot of the, the blood's already in the water for everyone. <laughs> I I made the mistake as I often do in home games. Uh, listening to 97.1 on the way home. Oh man. And I think the first, I should make you put, I should make you put $20 in the jar just for mentioning that on air. So this isn't a shot at them. It's more of a shot at their listeners because the very first caller was like, I think Dan Quinn has got to (laughs) go. Okay. So here, here's the thing. Cause I saw this in our own post game show with people chiming in saying, like wanting Anthony Lynn gone. And instead, you hit me with that. That's 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 Dan impressive. Quinn. Yes, I, I, Dan I, I'm sorry. That's Girl, impressive. I I, that's impressive yeah. in a bad way. But no, I mean, let's let's get off the media narrative for a bit because I think that's yeah. We're, we're I think we're stuck in a hole here. here. Yeah. Um, here's here's one of my concerns about the game, and and obviously, I think Dan is concerned about it too. Is just the way it finished because we'll talk a little bit more about the defense in the final segment. I know we keep teasing that, but. They were great in the first half and they looked like they gave up in the second half. Like some people were mentioning how the sideline demeanor was, was so much different than it was for the first five games. And I saw it on the field too, man. Like these guys just didn't look like they were giving it them all. And I'm not one that wants to call out someone's effort because it's hard to, it's hard to see effort sometimes, but I like, I, I, Amani Oruare said it after the game, like, he did not recognize that defense in the second half. That's not who they were. They came out, punched the Bengals in the mouth in the, in the, in the first quarter. I know they gave up a, a touchdown drive on the very first one, but they rebounded nicely. And then the second half, nothing was working. They couldn't stop the run. They, 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 they couldn't stop the pass. Pass rush wasn't there. Just nothing, nothing was working in the second half there defensively. And that, to me, was almost more disappointing than the offensive performance. It was just how everything fell apart in that game where nothing was going right at the end of it. No one was playing well. Like if you could point to three players that played well in this game, could you do it? No, I I couldn't do it. But to to Jeremy, to your point, how much of, how much of that do you think plays into effort and how much of that do you think plays into time of possession? And yeah, the, the Bengals held the ball for 36 minutes in this game. And just feeling absolutely deflated that even when you do force a stop, your offense goes three and out no, or no goes question. backwards or throws a pick or, you know, I, I, I see the other side of that as well. Sure. No, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's important, but resilience like is, is battling through all that sort of stuff. Agreed. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Re- resilience. Resilience is there, but I think the flesh, the flesh can kind of fail where the, where the spirit might not, especially like I thought no better about this when the lions had the ball, a minute 43 to end the, you know, to in at the end of the first half, you know, you're, you're tasking Jared Goff with a two minute drill and he only takes, and the offense only takes 12 seconds on the clock off the clock. And now the defense has to go back out there. Like I, I can excuse the defense a little bit in that they were probably dog tired in this game. No question. Nope. They had to stand on their head against Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Chris Evans like the whole day. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's just, I don't know. To me, the defense had stepped up in moments like that. And I mean, it's not like the offense's struggles are new. It's it's something that they've been used to and they've they've hung on to. And 
we we keep talking about the grit of this team and and the the mental fortitude and things like that and it just it wasn't there today and and listen like bad bad games are going to happen like if you looked at that morning slate of games they were all bad the the chargers <laughs> dropped an egg <laughs> The, the 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 Texans well you know the Texans are the Texans we expect that from the Texans the Bears the, dropped a bad one yeah I mean all these games are 38 to 11 38 31 to 3 34 to 11 Washington was clinging Washington was clinging in there in there with the Kansas City Chiefs and they end up getting smoked by almost 20 points in the end bad game uh, my only point is that bad games happen and so as long as this again as long as this sort of stuff doesn't snowball that's the key here is that um the Lions can't let these sort of efforts snowball because it's not the only time we've seen it happen. Like they weren't very good in that bears game either, um, but they bounced back and, and played at least a decent game against the Vikings. So now it's, it's going to be a tall task, but they got to bounce back this, this upcoming week and at least compete against the, 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 the these guys, the Rams. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a, a unfortunate kind of position to be in the schedule has done this team absolutely no favors and they're not going to do him favors next week. But listen, like as these losses pile up, it's going to take in a more and more emotional toll. It's going to be harder and harder to fight in those fourth quarters when the offense isn't producing, when you're down 13 points and you can't give up another point. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a, a three score game. Like it, it, it's not going to be easy. And, and that's, and again, that's why Dan Campbell's here because he's a, an extreme motivator, but those are being tested to the limit at this point. And I feel like we're dangerously close to dropping off a cliff here because it, it, it it's happened in the past. It's, it, you know, I don't, I don't want to make too many comparisons to, to the previous regime, but like, I can't help but think of that Packers game, the Monday night game. And then the following week, they just get toasted by the Vikings and the rest of the season's over. Like they can't let that happen. They need, they need some sort of thing to, to cling on. And, and again, I'll, I'll bring up Amani Oruari's press conference. And I, I thought this was one of the more interesting things he said um, was that he didn't think they were losers in this locker room this year. He's, he's been, he's been on the team for three years and this year he doesn't think they're losers in the locker room. And you know what that means? You know, you know what the implication there is, right? There were the losers aren't there anymore. Yeah. There were losers that, that would cave in the, in these sort of moments. So if, if you are to believe Amani or Warrie, um, you know, they're, they're going to mentally withstand all of this, but I, I think I need to see it as a Lions fan who's seen too many of these seasons just collapse on the way out. I need to see it. And I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Like, I, like they've, they've bounced back from some bad performances already this year, but I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. I, I I understand kind of collapsing down the stretch just because the season is long and the mental toll is there. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. I, I completely understand it, even though like, so I'm not going to kill him too hard on that. If it, if the, if it means next season, at least you come back and you're and like, you just still are able to shake it off. And good news for the Lions is they've gone through this before. <laughs> Bad news is that we're going through it again. And that's kind of the uh, the rub in all of this. Uh, I want to take a quick break here. We should at least end with some player evaluations, maybe some studs that we can talk about, maybe some Fugazi performances, and try to bring a little bit of individual performance analysis to this before we close the casket on the Bengals-Lions game. We'll close out the Pride of Detroit POD cast next 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, we might as well finish up and ripping this Band-Aid off the Pride of Detroit POD cast. This will go up along with our post-game show for a cornucopia of seethe, cope, and just emotion. Uh, I want to try to highlight some performances we can talk about individually for people not named Jared Goff. Um, I think a good place to start is probably on the defense. We did just talk about how I don't think they did great overall as a whole, just because they had to stand on their head for 36 minutes, but I'd like some individual performances, Jeremy. I liked, I liked Derek Barnes in this game and I like, you know, I, I know he's being asked to do a lot, but Jerry Jacobs still seems to be the diamond in the rough that the lions, I don't think realized they had. And I think for someone who is wasn't even supposed to be on the team, still comports himself fairly well out there, especially when he's not getting a lot of help from the rest of that secondary. I could talk probably this entire segment about Jerry Jacobs because I find I find his performance fascinating and mostly positive. Um, because first of all, let's let's be clear: this is Jerry Jacobs' second start in the NFL. Um, was a guy that probably most didn't expect to make the team. He's a guy that didn't win the starting job besides all of, you know, the injuries and stuff like that. They were still putting converted safety Bobby price ahead of him. And then he goes into this game, still not the number one cornerback, but the Lions trusted him so much to shadow Jamar chase, the offensive <laughs> rookie of the year. So far follow him the almost the entire game. And what does he do? He nearly pitches a shutout in the first half. On this guy, this guy that no one else has been able to stop and he's playing him tough and he's playing him well and he's pressing him. And that's, and yeah, I talked to Manny about this and he's like, yeah, like he was pressing him and no, like no one had bothered to even try pressing Jamar Chase so far. And he did, and it was working. And listen, he ends up getting beat by two big plays and it looks bad. And Jamar Chase finishes with, I don't know, probably close to hundred yards, 97 yards, but only, yards. but only four receptions. Right. Which is, I think, the big the big takeaway there. And and the big, you know, if you want to dissect the, the big plays, like the first one leads to the field goal at the end of the half. It sucks. It's bad. His coverage isn't horrible. It takes a perfect pass to beat him. Will Harris is a little bit late to get there, but probably too much to ask Will Harris to from you know center field to get all the way to the sidelines. So tough break. That's one where you're just like, you know what? You got beat by a perfect play and a really good player. You can shrug your shoulders that one, move on. The other one. I still have to figure out what the hell happened on that one because it looked like Jerry Jacobs was passing it off to Tracy Walker and Tracy Walker jumped in early and underneath route. And so there was no 
safety help over there. Probably should have had better coverage in general, but he's very clearly looking for safety help, whether it was a mental error on him, his part, or Tracy Walker part. We'll see. But outside of that, like, he was good. He's really good. Forced to fumble on one play. Didn't didn't recover, but forced to fumble on a, on a good tackle. I think he had a, a pass defended on a, a pass that wasn't thrown um, to Jamar Chase. I think, look, is, is Jerry Jacobs going to be a starting cornerback for this team in the future? I can't tell you right now. But for an undrafted rookie in his second career start going against one of the better wide receivers in the league, I thought he played a hell of a game. And and the PFF grade might not show it. The, the stats in terms of completions and all that stuff might show it. That was a ballsy performance by him, and, and I'm feeling I'm I, I'm coming away from this game again feeling pretty good about Aaron Glenn and the way he's coaching up the secondary because this is this is the second or third guy where just like he's starting to look the part, and and listen that's that's a hell of a thing to do when you're on your fourth or fifth string guy in his rookie season. Yeah, for um for me, I think one of the guys who stood out on defense was Ali McNeil, and I think that he may have had one of his better games that he's had. Um, all season long. Um, I mean, not only was he, I, I thought that he was a, a, he was a solid anchor in the middle for the run game in terms of run defense, but he even got to Joe Burrow for a, for a quarterback hit where he pressured him into a, into a bad throw. I, I, I thought for somebody who has kind of been flying under the radar, like he's had like a, like maybe a play in a game or, you know, um, it seems like, you know, he's not getting enough snaps because he is the nose tackle. Uh, today, I thought that there was just multiple times where I was like, oh, yeah, there's a Lee McNeil making a play. Like, and, and that, that's a good thing. You know, there, there were plays where I saw, like, Levi Anzarike. He was getting double teamed. Like, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's quite, you know, quite the respect that you're showing to a rookie right there, you know, double teaming him. And um, I, I thought probably the, the interior of the defensive line, like, they seemed, they seemed like passable to me. Like, some of them made some really good plays, like I mentioned with with Aline McNeil and and Onzerike, but um, even Brockers got in there a couple times. But yeah, I, th- I think I don't know. I'm really stretching myself for some positives, guys. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Derek Barnes is probably mine. Um, if I'm looking at this right, he played 31 snaps. Um, Alex Anzalone, by the way, almost on the field the entire time, but. Anzalone, I know he, I mean, excuse me, Barnes had a uh, pass breakup, I believe later in mm-hmm. the game, which was fantastic. I, I, I know he had kind of a rough, uh, once, once the packing tape was off and everyone was calling for Derek Barnes to start and he didn't look exactly like the savior that people were hoping, but I thought he was, uh, I thought he still had some flashes here. Again, that pass breakup was uh, very good. And I think that, there's some hope for the future where he's concerned. Yeah, no question. Um, I didn't think it was a particularly great day from the other two linebackers. I thought there was way oh, too boy. many. Yeah, Jalen Reese like maybe meet Chris mm. Evans. Yeah, I mean that's oh, that's geez. a tough matchup for him, especially with no over over the top help. But you can do a better job than that. Like Jalen Reese maybe can do a better job than that. That was a, that was a poor rep, and uh, yeah, it was it was not a clean rep and. I don't know, man. Like, I, I again, like, I, I don't want to keep harping on how disappointed I was in, in, in defense in the second half, but I don't know what happened to the run run defense in the second half. They were doing an okay job on mixing beforehand, and then just like, right, no one could tackle the dude. Yeah, I something else that stood out to me, and you talked about being impressed with Aaron Glenn and what he's done with the secondary. I really like that play call where Julian O'Quara was a free rusher on the mm-hmm. sack. 
Yep. Just from the 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 pre, you know, the look that the Bengals got pre-snap, it looked like there was going to be pressure up the middle in the A gap. And then they pull back and leaves an unblocked guy. And Julian Aquara cleans it up and credit to him for actually making the sack. I feel like sometimes edge rushers, when they have that free pass and they're unblocked, might seem like a play where a quarterback, even a guy like Burrow could could make a guy miss, but good on him for getting home. Amani Orarie, I mean, had a pick. I mean, Come on. I mean, that's what that's, that's three for the guy already this year, right? A lot of that, a lot of that a gap pressure was like, I, I know again, he wasn't particularly too well, but he was also asked to go out there the entire day. But I thought Alex alone created a lot of pressure that opened up stuff like Oquara as well. They're, so, they're certainly not afraid to send pressure. And that's something I respect about Aaron Glenn. And I, I think it's, it's worked out for the most part. Um, and yeah, like, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about the defense. Like, it's great that they are producing some turnovers Four straight games with an interception is, is, is good. Um, it's just, it, it needs to be more consistent. It needs to be for an entire game. And, and listen, like we all know what the deal is with they're, they're playing so many young guys at, at every level right now. You're, you're going to have mental errors. You're going to have mistakes. Um, you just kind of hope they clean it up sooner rather than later because the offense is not giving them any margin for error. <laughs> Well, let me give you let me give you guys three three more points I had written down, and maybe this is kind of how we round out everything. Maybe get away from the offense and I mean from the defense and talk some offense and special teams. So, was there an offensive player that stood out for you at all? Um, if you need help, I will take T.J. Hawkinson off the board, but I don't think I need to. I don't have anybody. I'm sorry, I don't. Nothing's okay. working. No, that's fine. That's a fair answer. That's like, a fair answer. Amonra got a lot of looks his way, but he also fumbled the ball slash got intercepted. So can't really pat him on the back too much. I know I, I, I kind of refuse on principle to give anyone on the offense credit for the performances that they laid out there. Okay. Today. Okay. Fair enough. I like, like Dan Campbell, I'll take my 10 second pause and I'll just say that. Please don't do that. That's bad for air. <laughs> they, they have, they have to, they just have to play better. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I guess the other two questions then, and this is where I'm going to get a little flip. The first one's not going to be as flippant. The second one will be flippant. Um, how do we feel about Tom Kennedy siding into kick returns, how he does, how he did there and how he's just in general performed? Um, I, someone wanted to talk about him at one point on discord and I just had no, no data available was my answer. There was there was one kick return where he was about four or probably four or five yards deep in the end zone and he took the ball out and I was like, This is a guy who's getting his shot and he's taking it. <laughs> that, was, that was the only thing I could think about Tom Kennedy all game long was I was like, This guy's in an NFL game. He's gonna he's gonna take his shot when he's got it. So Oh yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean looking here, a pass. He had four kick returns. Three of them, he returned short of the 25-yard line, which I think is is a failure um, because a touchback gives you oh, the 25-yard line. That's so harsh. Um, he also had a brutal block in the back on a punt that put the Lions at their own five-yard line, but he also had a 15-yard catch. So congratulations, Tom Kennedy, on your awesome day. <laughs> okay. Um, here comes the flippant one then. Do you think Jack Fox is it would get a draft pick if we traded him? Can we can we stop the podcast? 
<laughs> I'm just asking. I think he's, he's a franchise. He's our best offensive he's player. He's a franchise right punter. He's, he's the, the franchise. Best, he's the best offensive player because the, the, if, if it weren't for Jack Fox, the defense would be taken over at the 50 yard line every game. Yeah. Well, you know how I know he's the best offensive player because the guy who's the quarterback <laughs> threw the ball away, away hoping that he would take the field. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Goff is like, I see the flag. It's gonna be holding. I'm gonna let Jack Fox take care of this. Oh wait, they can <laughs> penalties. They can decline penalties. I the only, the, the only, the only failure in my master plan. The one thing I have not, I have not calculated for. I think you guys are right. This is about time to end this early. Oh, we're not going to go 20 minutes on, on Rams week coming up, baby. Oh my gosh. I, can we just forget that exists? <laughs> yeah. Also uh, I, I'm going to block, I'm going to block Jeremy on Twitter this week because all he's going to be talking about is Stafford and it's going to be, it's going to be so cloying and it's going to be so desperate that even I, someone who loves Stafford is going to tap out. We, we forgot to call jack fox what he is and that's a uh, field optimization specialist thank you that's a, a foss that's a good catch an fos a that's foss? what he calls himself on his I, I said i wasn't ever going to call him the p word again i was going to call him a, a... <laughs> oh really okay yeah. i i was unaware of this yeah big but, foss by the way i'm coming to la baby are we getting food maybe I, 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 I don't know if I want to make the trek down. I, this is, this is a sign that I live in the, the San Fernando Valley. I don't know if I want to make the trek down to Inglewood. <laughs> it's too long of a drive. I don't want to drive on four Oh five. Fair enough. Yeah. You, you know that life. I do. All right. Well, let's get everyone out of here because um, I feel like if this goes on any further, someone, someone's going to collapse. Someone's going to snap. And um, I don't know how we're going to survive this season. I really don't. This was supposed to be fun. Remember we were all at the beginning of the year. Like we know it's going to be bad, but it's going to be fun. Dan yeah, Campbell's going to make it fun. Today was I not need, fun. I Where's need, my fun, Chris? I promise fun. If I come up with some game shows for you next time, will you have fun or will you just keep storming in here? I can't promise anything. Fun. They fun better, has to begin they, with a self. They better, they better be good games. I don't, I can't promise you that. Well, then I can't promise. I, you I have no, have I have no power here to promise anything like that. I, I did buy a bottle of wine that I was going to open after the lions got their first victory and I bought it back in August. Oh my God. That's the, you're, you're not going to have that until the new year. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty vintage come next September. <laughs> you're assuming that the first win's going to come in next September. No, no, they're not going on 17. Now I, if I could take back my four wins Flip bet, it. I absolutely would. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not going 0-17. Well, I picked this team to go 3-14. and 14. How am I the one who feels bad right now? <laughs> Jeremy, that feels like... That feels like a really gross hedge. <laughs> How's, that's not even a hedge. Is it doubling down? If you're saying, like, I wish I could take back my four wins bet, but they're absolutely not going 0 17. Yeah, like, no, no. That's, what is that? I am confident this team is going to win one to three games oh, and man. nothing outside of that, oh, that range. 
We are in hell. We'll be back next week. Uh, we are coming up on, I, I just realized we have to play the Eagles on Halloween. Ooh. I don't, I don't like what you just did to me there. Zombie slay. Zombie slay. Oh my God. He is going to murder Jared Goff's balls. Okay. Wow. That was taken. I, I, I did not mean to do that. I did not mean to do that like that. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. Yep. For myself, for Ryan Matthews, for Jeremy Reisman, for this entire godforsaken cursed uh, last day of Mercury in retrograde, all I'm going to say is we're going to see you star side. <laughs>